Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to episode Stanislav Neskash of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. So, this is the first episode since the season began, and um, it hasn't been great, to say the least. And joining me to talk about the 32nd place Ottawa Senators is host of the Future Sickos podcast, Brennan Detzler. Brennan, how's it going? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on today, Trevor. I'm... Uh... <laughs> I, I want to say excited to break break down everything that's been going on this year, uh, but but I don't know. It's it's been uh, it's been a bit of a tough one to swallow. So I don't even know where where you plan on starting to dissect this, but I'm I'm excited to be here for the ride. Certainly, yeah. There's there's a lot to talk about. Um, you know, I appreciate you coming on. I had Derek Lee on last time, and, and you know, you guys have been doing excellent work on the podcast. So it's great to have you. Um, <laughs> you know, I was just talking to you earlier about. I feel like this is perfect timing for the podcast. So. Lots to talk about. Um, you know, I didn't expect we'd have to talk about this, but obviously the most recent piece of news is that Matt Murray was placed on waivers yesterday, or on Saturday, I guess I should say. How did we get here? And just what are your overall thoughts on Murray's tenure in Ottawa? Honestly, like I, I, I was shocked. I, I was, I was super surprised that that they placed him on waivers, and not not because of the fact that he has been uh, extremely underperforming, because I think it's really difficult to to argue against that, but um, j- just because of the what that signing meant and, and how much mm-hmm. optimism there was uh, regarding that signing, and honestly, like probably a bit of pride because they went out, they got a guy who was directly responsible, in my opinion, for winning the Stanley Cup for Pittsburgh, and. Um, I, I had another ring as well associated with that, brought him in um, really kind of what was supposed to be a major, major staple, I think, on this team. Um, so ju- just the fact that he gets placed on waivers in that kind of uh, statement, I, I personally thought was shocking. Um, I, I mean, at the same time, I think it's justifiable. And I, I think that um, as fans, I, we can be split about it, but at least it kind of shows that people are being held accountable regardless of who they are, regardless of what right. they have on the resume. And, and it probably needed to be happy or needed to happen. Um, so I guess like, but, but at the end of the day, I was still surprised. For sure. I mean, you make a big commitment to a guy like that signed for four years, 6.25 million, especially for a Eugene Melnick owned team. That's, that's quite expensive. Right. And it's just crazy to think that he's only played 33 games in Ottawa and, you know, they're essentially giving up on him at that point. But like you're saying, I mean, he has an 892 save percentage in Ottawa. And, you know, he's he's been the worst goal in the league, I would say, over the past, you know, season and, and a little bit here. And, you know, even in Pittsburgh the year before, he was only at 899 in, in 39 games. So, like, this is like three seasons in a row now that he's been awful. And it's just, it it doesn't really make sense because he was so good for those playoff runs and you know we saw it firsthand in, in 2017 he just you know he stole the series from from Ottawa essentially and yeah I guess the silver lining like you were saying is that 
people are being held accountable. Um, and we'll get into the off-ice personnel um, a bit later on. But I don't know, like, where do you think this is going to go? So, like, obviously, a couple hours ago, news came out that he cleared waivers. So, I mean, do you think he's ever going to get called up and sort of take over that starting role again? Or, you know, do you think he's just going to be a buyout candidate in the offseason? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the biggest thing with Matt Murray is just consistency and not even just consistency in his play, but consistency in staying healthy. Like, it, it's yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, I can't, like, it, it seems like whatever happens, like if he if he gets going, even if, if he starts playing well, um, it, he all of a sudden he tweaks something. And, and, it, and it seems to happen so consistently. So, yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know how he's going to respond being sent to the AHL. Like, I, I think that's like an interesting kind of development. It's not very often that you see someone who's won uh, two Stanley Cups <laughs> as young as they are get sent to the AHL in a report and play. But um, if he does go through and cooperate with it, uh, I, I mean, I think kind of the expectation would be that he's going to dominate the AHL and I would be very surprised if he didn't. Um, and then maybe, yeah, like, like pull him up and, and see if they can give him another run at it. Honestly, like, I think the biggest thing at this point is even if he, if they're moving on from him and maybe, maybe that's it, maybe it is kind of just going to be a buyout at the end of the season, but you got to at least try to raise his value a bit. Like there yeah. has to be a Buffalo or like even an Edmonton, if like some salary was kind of retained that like, if he can like at least look solid and take some bit of form that he had previously, like he like that that could be a decent asset that you could flip for at least something so hopefully like he can finally like he can at, at least find a bit of consistency and, and pull him up and i mean it, it doesn't seem like at this point he's definitely not in the, the plan long term um but at least kind of get get something back for that asset hopefully um is my hope or, or opinion on it i guess for sure and someone was pointing this out on twitter yesterday in that you know, they invested a lot of assets into the, this guy. You know, they gave up the second and Johnny Gruden. They gave him that massive four-year deal. And it just sucks that after, you know, literally it was, what, 13 months ago that they did this. So like 13 months later, um, you know, they're just sort of giving up on him. But what I find interesting too is that, you know, they they essentially chose Anton Forsberg over him. And obviously like the contract has a lot to do with that too, but you know, Forsberg's been worse than Murray, so I do find that kind of interesting. Um, and then even with, with Philip Gustafson as well, like he's he's clearly been their best goalie so far. What sort of message do you think that sends to him? Like, do you think they're trusting him as their number one now? Oh, for sure. I I, th- I think that's I think that's exactly the message is that this is this is uh, Gustafson's team. Like it, it, it's it's his boss, and everyone can hop on it. And I mean, I genuinely like I I I think that. That, that's essentially what they're coming out and saying. I think that he's earned it. Um, I thought that even last year, he looked so strong that it was kind of mm-hmm. odd to see him start in the AHL. And um, I mean, I, 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 I guess like Forsberg is a decent stopgap, especially with the injuries that they've had. But um, no, I, I definitely think that it's his team and, and that's kind of the message moving forward. I think losing Joey Dak definitely hurts right now because yeah. if we had those two, um, maybe, maybe the situation would look a little bit brighter right away i mean there's definitely some great guys in the pipeline and and that aren't too far off as well but um but yeah no i i think the message is definitely that it's his team and 
um, that, yeah, like maybe it's a message to the rest of the team as well. Like maybe it's look like <laughs> with how bad we've been playing defensively, like this is kind of what, what things got resorted to. And I know that like, that, that's also something that I find kind of interesting on, on this topic is that like goalies are typically always the last pl- like person you should blame. Like if you're, if you're a team, right. if you're like on that team, regardless of it, like the la- the last position that you're ever meant to pick apart is goalie. So for them to come out and say like, Hey, you are the problem. We're putting you on waivers <laughs> is kind of a bold statement, especially with, uh, with the D that that's in front of them. But um, no, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't do not think that Gus plays another game in the HL. Um, and, and I think it's kind of just been mm-hmm. uh, solidified at this point. Yeah. I'd be kind of shocked if he does get sent down at any point. And to your point about the defense, it's, I mean, yeah, the the defense has been an issue for years now. So I do think, you know, if he was still on a really good team like Pittsburgh or whoever, um, you know, he probably has a bit better result. But at the end of the day, I mean, you you still can't make that as an excuse. So, yeah, it's quite surprising. And I mean, for certain owners, especially a a budget conscious one like huge, you know, that could potentially be like a fireable offense in terms of, um, you know, giving out that contract and then uh you know essentially saying that they're going to buy him out a year later so speaking of that you know obviously auto's off to this horrendous start they're 4 14 and 1 and i think when you say it like this it it just really um summarizes how insanely bad of a start this is they're on pace for 39 points 39 points in a full season and i know i know dj smith and pierre dorian just received contract extensions literally two months ago but how safe do you think their jobs are well first of all i i, I think the thing that blows my mind about that stat or, or just the, the fact that they're so low in the standings is the fact that they are below arizona and, yeah. and arizona is a team that came out this year and it's essentially clear that they're team. <laughs> Like they've gotten rid of like any decent player. Um, they have some guy who is their starting goaltender. That I, I can't even pronounce the guy's name. He, he, he's like hadn't played in any. Vimelka, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wedgwood now and then. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, but they. Yeah. So, um, it, it's just it's it's an atrocious start. And yeah, and I think like it, it's definitely kind of comes down to time for us to start having this conversation and. And what jobs are safe and regardless of the extensions. And, you know, I, I would go ahead and say that I think that Pierre, Pierre Dorian's job is more safe than DJ Smith's job at this point. Um, I, I think that's kind of just a, a rule of thumb. Typically, is that you you often see coaches get fired before mm-hmm. the general manager does. I don't know if it's like a, a, a matter of saving face. And, you know, for me, like I, I actually really like DJ and I know that a lot of the players clearly really like DJ. Like he seems like a super upbeat guy. He seems like in theory, he seems like the perfect NHL coach. Like you, you want a guy who's played the game, um, who connects with the players, who gets them to work hard. Like really, like if, if you look at those fundament- fundamentals, like that is what you want in an NHL coach, but he hasn't been able to, to make it work. And, and like last mm-hmm. year, he kind of got these guys to buy into the system and it was working. And, and, and I think that there was like a lot of promise and maybe they were overperforming a bit at the end of the year. But then this year he comes in, he makes some really questionable decisions after seeing how good uh, Brandstrom and other defensemen were, in my opinion, at least at the end of last year. And then kind of icing these vets time in and time out when they, they should not be receiving the amount of ice time that they have. Like, I don't know, like, like you just have to question like, okay, 
how how does that fundamentals kind of translate? Like how how does what he's preaching uh, actually work out to like on a day to day, and can he execute it? And I mean, like as a person, I really like DJ Smith and I think that the team really likes DJ Smith. And I, I think that they do respond well to him because he's a, a player's coach and he, he does uh, kind of have that like, OK, like we're, we're going through a wall together, but it's just it's clearly not working. So it, it's kind of one of those situations where it's like, well, do you keep a guy just because you like a guy or do you mm-hmm. keep him just because like his idea is there? Um, so. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting Kind of thing. I think that um, they they might. I, I I can't see them firing him now. I I think that if it happens, it maybe forty games into the year, um, likely at the end of the season. Like I think that they at least kind of give him a chance to to right this ship a bit. It's been a weird year. I know like the injuries that we talk about are like losing Colin White isn't really like in our opinion that that crazy. But um, there has been a bit of adversity. So maybe just kind of see like if he's able to somehow get the, these, this young team out of this slump, but, um, but man, yeah, I, I would say that his job is, is the most at risk as for Pierre Dorian. I mean, I, I, I have a bit of an odd, like, or like a bit of a different kind of viewpoint on Pierre Dorian. And in that sense is that I, I, I actually have a tremendous amount of respect for him because of the fact that I think he has one of the most difficult jobs in the NHL, like to, to, try to manage a team in this market where there, there's not a whole lot of money to go around. Um, there's, there's kind of a history of players not really necessarily wanting to play here um, and really making a lot of maneuvers with what seems like one hand tied behind his back. Like I, I just, I don't think that it's an easy position to be in. So at least for myself, like I always, um, I, I think I'm like more forgiving or, or more patient with him because um, kind of looking at what what the team is and what the team has and like, oh, you know, like, well, why, why can't they go out and acquire that number one center? Why can't they go out and acquire everything else? Is that like there's a lot of moving parts surrounding the organization and his role. And, and you have to wonder if there's a lot of moves that he might want to make that he's just not able to. So I think for me that that's kind of um, in my spot of like, yeah, like th- this season, like we just saw Mark Bershman get fired um, yeah. 20 games after going to a Stanley Cup final and Montreal's ahead of Ottawa in the standings. Like, yeah, may- maybe it is a fireable offense. But for me, I just, I, without seeing the full picture there, I always have a really difficult time um, in, in kind of calling for that. And I mean, yeah, there's some serious gaps. Like the pro scouting, like th- th- this is like th- th- the guys that they've identified, the guys that they've brought in, like, yeah, I, I-, I don't really get it. But at the same time, I thought that that's what Pierre Maguire was here for. I thought that they brought Pierre Maguire in to help with that pro scouting side of things because it's not something that Pierre Dorian is is strong with. And um, I almost wonder, okay, like what has Maguire done since he's come on board? Because if it's bringing in Michael Del Zotto, like <laughs> I, I don't know if that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree fully with with a lot of your points there, especially with DJ. Like I'm totally fine with him for now. I think. I think it is good to have a, a coach that players really like. And it seems like, you know, the most important player, Brady, it seems like he really likes him. And it seems like there are some good vibes there. Um, at the same time, though, like at some point, as you're saying, at some point you need to see those results, right? And I am curious to see, like, like for example, I, I believe Troy Mann's contract expires at the end of the season. And if they essentially have to choose between one of those two, 
I think I'd rather have Mann just because he's developed so many of these guys that are coming into the lineup now. Um, and he has that solid track record, not even just in Ottawa, but in Hershey as well. So, I mean, if, if the team isn't improving by the end of the season, I feel like I'd rather have man, but, um, you know, it's, it's not as if DJ has been awful. Like we've, we've seen some bad coaches in here, but you know, it's, he's certainly not our biggest problem. Um, and then as for Dorian, like you're right with the, the owner thing. I mean, who I would love to see just a, a massive documentary about, you know, the ins and outs of the organization because the amount of things that could have happened or, you know, did happen because of Melnick, I would love to know because there must be an extensive list of, of things. And yeah, it's tough, especially with a, you know, a small scouting staff, not many people he has to work with. But then, yeah, you look at, you know, I really like the Ev- Evgeny Dadanov signing at the time, but that didn't work out. Murray signing didn't work out. Um, you know, trading a step second for a step on um, obviously didn't work out. You know, there's just so many of these moves that it seems like he's trying to make the team better, but failing miserably at it. And, you know, they have these good young players, but it's frustrating that they haven't been able to add to that at all. You know, like just adding a second line winger or a second pairing defenseman, which, you know, they said that they were going to add a center and a top four D, which maybe they thought Del Sato was that second pairing D, which he clearly is not. Um and then, you know, they, they add, I guess, Sanford and Ennis, if you want to, you know, call those, you know, they're, they're like fine depth additions, I guess. But yeah, it's, for me personally, I just don't think he is the right person for the job long term. Um, I think similar to DJ, I think like you owe it to him, you know, to see a, a bit more this season to see what the team can do. But I just don't have much faith that, next offseason and this offseason after that he can take them to that next step where I mean they're not even a playoff team yet but even beyond a playoff team like being a contender it's just it seems like they have so many steps to go before they actually reach that stage and I don't know I I personally I just feel like they need a massive overhaul in the front office um not to mention I mean I I, I don't want to write off prospects after they've just been drafted but Man, the 2021 draft class is not off to a good start. Um, certainly not going to give up on them at all, but <laughs> no one's really talking about it, and it is it does not look good so far. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. No, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, it, it's it's a really interesting thing. And, and that's something for me. Like, I, like, personally, I love prospects. It's it's um, something that, like, I have a bit of a background in. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it's kind of always been, like, what I've gotten excited about is is um, drafts and younger players. And it's hard because it's like, well, now I'm looking at this upcoming draft and I'm like, well, maybe at least we'll have kind of a top pick. And then it's like, but are we going to take the guy who I would yeah. be excited about with the top pick? Um, because yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that Ottawa had kind of like the, this really, uh, strong theory based on like 
developmental curves and like abilities to like work hard and, and, and picking those kind of sandpaper type guys or, or like in honestly, like even like the Ridley Greggs, like who, who look extremely promising and playing mm-hmm. a game that really fits kind of with the Sens identity. But I, I think that this year was a little bit, um, maybe they were just like a little too confident in their theory and like um, in their thesis and in the way that they operated and, and uh, kind of with that sense and it, it blew up in their face. So hopefully they can kind of use it. Like if, if it is the same team that that's going to draft again, hopefully they can kind of look at this and say, okay, may, maybe we need to find more of a fine line instead of going <laughs> that far over because um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's not looking great. Um, and, and with that being said as well, something that you brought up, um, just kind of like maybe if Pierre Dorian isn't, isn't the right guy and we're looking at it and we're like, you know, we kind of owe him the courtesy. And one thing that I used to say, or, or used to really feel like was that we almost like, I, I really wanted to see Dorian resign and I was happy that he resigned. And the reason was because when a team goes through a rebuild like this, like anytime a team goes through a rebuild. Like Buffalo, for instance, um, who seems like it's been going through whenever, whenever there's a shift in like a general manager or anything, they always kind of want to leave their own impression on the team. So they want to have their own guys. They kind of want to go through things and they have like their own vision long term. So I felt like with Dorian, like signing a contract extension, at least he had the opportunity to see that through. and We could kind of see the big picture of what Dorian was looking at. And I think that a lot of fans kind of were under the impression for very obvious reasons, like kind of because it was told to us that this would be the year that the Sens would start spending. And this would be the year that they would bring in guys. And I just want to know what happened. And if like an expectation changed, maybe it was internally, maybe they just looked and said, you know what? The team isn't there yet. Maybe we just need one more year of waiting. And then next year we'll spend that money because if next year, and that's kind of what is communicated to fans is that like next year that that happens. And all of a sudden we do sign a bunch of big players in free agency and we have like another top five pick to kind of go in with it. We have a Jake Sanderson. Who's probably going to be a top four D man when he comes into the NHL, like that's okay. But it's like, as fans, we we've gotten to a point where we just like have really lost a lot of trust in what's going to be delivered because we kind of just hear, it seems like what we want to hear and and we're just waiting for something that feels like it's never going to come. Oh, exactly. And I think what's important to note, too, is that, you know, yes, Shabbat is signed for the next se- seven seasons. Um, Kachuk is as well. Bathurst for the next six. It seems like a long time, right? But, you know, if they're, if this season is a lost cause, you know, next season, who knows if they're even sniffing the playoffs. Maybe they're making it close. Um, and then maybe the season after that, they make it. But none of those seasons are going to be Stanley cup contending seasons. So then all of a sudden you only have like a few seasons left with those kind of guys signed signed under contract. So I feel like, you know, it seems like you have so much time to get these guys developed and stuff, but a lot of times these contracts, they, they, you know, they sneak up on you and all of a sudden like they're a year or two away from free agency and you're thinking, Hey, we got to capitalize on this window. So the sooner they can actually add players from the outside, the better, because I don't know. I, I felt like all of a sudden, you know, the same thing happened with Carlson, like, it seemed like he was going to be a senator forever. And then all of a sudden it was, oh, he's probably going to be traded. And then he was gone. Um, so, yeah, I just feel like there needs to be a bit of urgency in terms of making this team an actual contender. Well, and the other the other side of that as well is if you look at teams that do extremely well and, and like how team like the, the 
best way to kind of structure a cap is to have star players or very, very good players on entry level deals. And right now is when we have like Tim Stutzel on his like second year entry level deal. We'll have one more year of that. Next year, we'll have Jake Sanderson probably in his second year because he's going to end up burning a year when he signs this year. So we'll have him for two years. So really like this and next year are are the years where that kind of spending should be happening because that's when you're going to be able to really kind of build the strongest team that you can because i mean tim stutzel is gonna all of a sudden probably be like an eight million dollar a year player um around that range give or take a million and a half on on either side probably um so so why not kind of try to optimize that and and that's that's what a lot of teams do and a lot of teams that are successful i mean tampa bay like that that they had sorelli signed to like low money and and that's kind of what you have to do to be competitive um, is really kind of utilize that and, and really try to kind of force it and, and make it happen. And I think that for me, that's the one thing that, that I kind of scratch my head at is I'm like, you know, right now you have a lot of guys who are making pretty decent money. Like Josh Norris is still on his ZLC. So um, it, it really seems like it now would have been a great time to kind of make a push, but maybe they just didn't feel that they were there yet. Like who knows what was going on behind the scenes, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough to see. It's tough to see as fans who um, have been impatient. And I know like a lot of fans definitely have uh, gone ahead and said, you know what, like clean slate. We, we have like a lot of new prospects coming in. Like the, the team looks really great. Like you're kind of promising like this, this mm-hmm. new run of unparalleled success. Like we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And um, not saying that like, it's not coming, but at this point, it, it's it's tough to see the full picture and and whether that's just being like through more communication uh, of like explaining like if that picture shifted at all. Um, maybe that's one way of looking at it. But right now, like I mean, it, it's it's a little um, disheartening to see as fans. For sure, and I think all the fans want to see is progression, right? I mean, we were picking tenth in last year's draft. You know, if we were picking 14th or 15th, I'd be totally fine with that, right? You know, it's it's all about making those steps. And, you know, it seems like we've, we're taking a step backward this season. So um, one thing I am curious on your thoughts about, because it seems like, now I don't think Dorian will get fired. Certainly not soon. Maybe the end of the season if they, like, actually finish dead last. Um, but it seems like a possibility of, his replacement would be Pierre Maguire, which people talked about in the off season too. How would you feel about that? So Pierre Maguire is an interesting one for me. When, when the sense of nails that they hired him, I was a huge advocate for saying, okay, like let's be patient. Let's see what this guy can do within a hockey organization. I know he might come on, like come off a little odd in his interviews and, and skating a little, getting a little close to whoever it is that they might be talking to. But I was like, let, let's give, like, give this guy a chance and let's see what he's, what he can do. And quite honestly, like, I don't know if he's done anything or, or what he's been responsible for because there's been a, a lack of really notable moves by the Sens. And I, I think like he played a role in the Dells auto uh, signing, which I don't know what I think of. I don't think extremely highly of it. So um, for me, like I I think that kind of him potentially getting moved into that GM role, like it it does worry me. It scares me. I don't know um, what exactly he's capable of kind of going in. I know that there's definitely some question marks regarding his view on analytics 
and for myself and, and kind of the way that things are going, I, I feel that that is something that a general manager should definitely be accounting for uh, in, a, in a lot of regards moving forward, kind of not as a sole tool, but as something that can kind of a, uh, add to, to other evaluations. So right. I, I think, uh, I don't know, I, I, I would definitely be a bit disheartened at this point. I, I don't think that he's really done anything that jumps out the page. Um, I, I, I mean, but I, I guess I would still kind of give him a chance uh, to, to prove me wrong because at the end of the day, like we can't really discount him just based on what he's done and what he said, I think like kind of working in a broadcasting role, like it, it, it's completely different. And I mean, I guess there is a reason why he got hired and, and why they felt that he was a good fit. But um, I, I really hope that that is not what we, we go into. I prefer, prefer Dorian in that role uh, <laughs> 10 days out of the week. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting, too, that, like, I thought he would be a lot more visible in the media um, because, it, you know, it seemed like he was, I don't, I can't remember the exact wording they used for his role, but um, I don't know, it just made it seem like he was going to be talking more to, to people and I haven't heard anything from him. But, um, yeah, definitely agree there where it seems like his his views are maybe a bit dated, Um Again, I, I would give him the chance, but I would be extremely worried because I just know there would be some move or two where it's just a massive head scratch and you're like, what? Like, what? You know, you're trading like, <laughs> I don't know, um, Artem Zub for, for some like third line grinder or something. I don't know. But anyway, I don't really want to think about that. I mean, hopefully if Doran is gone, they do an extensive search and all that. But even Doran being gone, I, I think earliest that happens is the end of the season and and even that like I don't think Melnick is too keen on paying for multiple staff members when he doesn't necessarily have to so uh we'll see about that but now something I also wanted to talk about and we, we briefly mentioned it before with in regards to Matt Murray um you know it's been a massive issue over the past few years and that's the defense core how do you think they can even fix the issues they've had with either with the personnel they have or do you think they just need a massive overhaul there? Well, it's 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 so difficult. I mean, like I, I look at Jake Sanderson, and I think that Jake Sanderson is going to be an exceptional player. Like I, I think that he's going to mm-hmm. really, really improve and bolster this decor immediately as soon as he comes in. But it, it's not enough to completely change it. They can't just always have him and Shabbat on the ice. Like that's not a realistic solution. So, and the other side of that as well is that you look at teams that do well and and their depth on D is incredible. Like you look at St. Louis when they won the cup, you look at Tampa through these past runs, like Boston's always in it. And and like these teams that go far in the playoffs, like that's what you need. And that's kind of been what Toronto's kryptonite had been for, for years and years. So I, I think that, Jake Sanderson is going to help, but they need a lot there and they need a lot of tools. And I look at the prospects that are coming up and I think that there's some really exciting pieces. Like I think like Lassie Thompson is kind of proving that he, he, he can be really solid. I mean, Zub, we struck gold with Zub. Like I know like yes. we, we definitely thought that he was going to be an NHLer, but like no one knew he was going to be as good as he is. And he, he's been <laughs> exceptional. And I, I think that he's a key piece, but so I guess it kind of to answer your question, the way I look at it is I think that there's pieces in the prospect pipeline that could come in and play a valuable role. But what worries me is that I don't think that you can ice a decor that has four players potentially that are under the age of 23. 
I, I don't think that yeah. you can do that and have that work because I mean, historically it, it just doesn't really work. I, I don't know many teams that have been able to do that and, and do that successfully. You need some veterans back there. So I think that with Jake Sanderson coming in and another uh, kind of like acquisition of, of a top, like a true top four guy on the right-hand side, um, maybe that has that size that they want and that they're after. Um, I, I think that that would be a solid start. And I, I mean, I think, unfortunately, it, it's looking like Eric Branstrom isn't going to be a part of the organization long term. And um, I, to me, like, kind of sucks because I know he might not have worked out exactly <laughs> the way that they want. But like kind of having that mobility and and, and having that on their back end um, and, and even like a left side potentially of um, Shabbat, Sanderson and, and Brandstrom, I think would, would bode well for them. So there, there's a lot of question marks. There's definitely a lot that needs to be addressed, but I, I do think that Sanderson will give them a bit of relief in that sense. And then hopefully they can go out and acquire like a proper veteran, get sites out of there, get Telzado out of yeah. there. Um, and, and really kind of maybe some addition, addition by subtraction. Oh yeah, a ton of addition by subtraction, like you said with Zaitsev. You know, I I'm generally a fan of Victor Mete, although he hasn't been great this season. Um, you know, Delzado not not great. He's put up some points, I guess. But Josh Brown, I mean, man, he he's had quite a rough go. So yeah, I think if they can actually have Sanderson be like a top player who plays on the second pairing, I think that'll be the first time they actually have like a legitimately really good player on the second pairing since they went to the cup probably (laughs) like really when was the last time they had three good defensemen that you can say okay this guy's really good like you know they had Carlson and Mathot then after that I mean I guess they had Gonchar for a point but maybe he was the last good number three they had so yeah like I I do have some faith in Thompson and Bernard Docker and I, I still have a bit of hope in Brandstrom I think Maybe in an ideal world, you can have him play on the right side with Sanderson. Potentially, that's an option. But, I, you know, realistically, I just don't think he's a DJ Smith kind of player, which is kind of what you were alluding to. So, yeah, I, I think they do have potential guys that can fit in that spot. And just what worries me is finding that one other already established player because... I don't know. It seems like they thought a guy like Delzato or Brown or Zaitsev or whoever, it, it seemed like they thought one or several of those players could have been a good top four option. And they just haven't been really. No, 100%. And, and I think that that's kind of another part of this. And you, you brought it up in like, oh, uh, and like DJ Smith isn't a fan of Eric Brandstrom. And I think like he, yeah, like he kind of isn't really like, I think it's becoming obvious that he's just not um, the, the kind of uh, guy that fits on his team. And um, especially yeah. not on that right-hand side, which we know is Brandstrom's preference. And actually when Derek and I spoke to Pierre Dorian, that was one thing that he said about Brandstrom not playing on the right side is that DJ had come to him and said like numerous times that he's been, he's been able to point out times where Brandstrom had difficulty defending on his right side. So um, th- clearly there, there is a bit of animosity there and, and maybe it's justified. Like, I, I don't know, like that that's between them, but um, it's one of those things where you do wonder if a new coach came in and if it was man, like you said um, earlier, yeah. because you have to figure at this point, he's the front runner and he, he's coached a lot of these guys before, like when they were in Belleville and a lot of these star players. And we know how well that worked for John Cooper when he came up from his HL affiliate. So 
Um, I guess like you, you look at that and you wonder, okay, what, what does that change? If a new coach comes in here and he doesn't have this kind of uh, love or, or this, um, th- these eyes for Zaitsev and these eyes for Brown and, and maybe they give Brandstrom a role where he can succeed because he's getting played in a system where he can succeed. Well, maybe all of a sudden, the D isn't so bad because they're able to kind of use the guys that, that can succeed yeah. in a proper system and, and they can retool it that way. And I, I agree. Like, I, I think that Ottawa historically, like, I mean, like aside from when they had what, like Redden, Chara, like that decor, like with, with Phillips as well. Like I can't remember a time where we had three legitimate pairings where like when they were on the ice, I felt pretty confident that, that we were going to be all right. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I mean, I think that maybe some of that changes with coaching, but also just just getting those quality guys and getting a guy who has NHL experience, but is just is a good player. Like just because they have NHL experience doesn't mean necessarily they're a good player that they're in the room. (laughs) Like you need someone who can look good on the ice and and that you can trust. And yeah, that probably means you're going to have to pay them, but like they're worth it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like that's where maybe not looking too much into the numbers maybe hurts them um, in terms of, you know, thinking Nikita Zaitsev is good and things like that. So, and just quickly on the, on the Brandstrom thing, you know, he's been like one of the best defenders in the AHL under Troy Mann. So who knows what he can do, um, you know, if Mann does become the coach. So that is certainly something interesting to think about. Um, unless Brandstrom gets traded, you know, before the deadline or something. But now, one of the few reasons to continue watching games the rest of the way is, of course, 19-year-old Tim Stutzla. And he's actually been playing center the past few games, probably out of necessity. But And he still only has one goal and seven assists in 19 games. But do you think he can actually stick at center long-term? So I... First of all, I want to I want to give Tim Tim Stutzla a lot of credit because you can tell how hard he's working to stay at center. Yeah. Like I I think like watching him, it's it's very evident that he wants to be a center because he is chasing the fuck back. I know he <laughs> like made that big defensive play where he laid the body down in uh, in his first <laughs> game, like um in the role. And you know, like I I think that um. Honestly, I think that Ottawa lacks a true elite number one center. And I think that with what they have right now and what they're going to be able to acquire, because I mean, it's not really likely that you're able to go out and get a true number one center unless it was like Jack Eichel. Um, so like, I, I think that having him at center would, would be extremely great for the team. And I, I think that he does have the potential to stick. I think that it's early. Like, I think the fact that he's playing center right now kind of surprises me a bit like I, I thought that maybe in like another year or two they might kind of give him the shot um just especially like w- with all the pressure and and we know he's been snake bitten like he's been generating a lot a lot of chances but he just hasn't yeah. been able to to bury or maybe his line mates just 
haven't been skilled enough to be able to bury the fees that he gives them. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I love it. I think that he's really making it difficult for them to say that he shouldn't be there because he's doing what is asked of him and kind of what's required from a center. I think that his defensive game has improved immensely this year. So, and with that um, kind of also just kind of strengthens his case. So I think that it's possible that he sticks. I, I could see him definitely kind of bouncing around from center to left wing over the next year, year and a half, especially depending on who they acquire. But I do think down the road, he, he's going to be a center. And I, I think that he hopefully can kind of be like that, that top line legitimate, like elite center, because the way that he distributes the puck, if he's in the middle of the ice or he's playing in that center position, it's just, it's going to make it that much more valuable in that, in that spot. Yeah. He'd be incredibly valuable. If, if he could play center, all of a sudden you have Stussel on the first line, Josh Norris has an excellent two C and then Shane Pinto as your three C. I mean, you look at a team like Tampa where, you know, a lot of times these cup winning teams, they don't just have six top six forwards or, or, you know, two top six um, centers. Usually their third line center, you know, a guy like Yanni Gord, that guy can easily play in the top six. So, you know, if Shane Pinto has to play in the third line, that's fine. That's, that's a good problem to have. Um, And yeah, I just think he adds a lot of dynamic plays, you know, in both ends of the ice. I forget who tweeted it out the other day, but um, they're just showing a breakout that, Stutzla had and it it was like two seconds and you know it, it was on Stutzla's stick passes it out of the zone gets around a guy gets it back you know it just looks so amazing and you rarely see it you know you rarely see them break the puck out of their zone that easily so I think it's a lot easier to find you know top left winger or top right winger whatever than it is to find that top center so yeah, like like you were saying, I mean that's that's massive if you can do that. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about the faceoffs, which some people have talked about. Like I don't think he's been taking many faceoffs, but you know maybe you, you put someone on his line that can can be taking those faceoffs a bit more often. But in terms of the defensive responsibilities and stuff, it seems like he's taking it seriously. It seems like he can do it. You know, perhaps that takes a few seasons to to really get his his all round game going, but. Yeah, game changer if he can stick there. Well, and he like the, the thing about Tim Stutzla and like even last year, I, I know like there was a lot of defensive lapses, but like his compete level is as high as yeah. any other player on the team. Like his like ability, well, maybe not Brady Kachuk, but <laughs> you know, aside from him, like his his ability to like go in and work for pucks and like want the puck, like his motor is phenomenal, and like. Typically that that's what you need in, in a good defensive player. Like, like it's extremely translatable. So I think that he has all the tools. It's really just a matter of like, yeah, Tim Stutzel is still a bit raw. Like he's definitely still adjusting a little bit to figuring out like exactly what works and, and what can happen. And also just building chemistry and having guys that can play with him. I really hope when Drake Batherson's back, he, he gets a look to play with Stutzel. Yes. Um, because I, I, I think that that would really kind of heighten him, like to have another guy that he can feed off of as much as like, I, I really, I like Nick Paul and I think he, he's actually a great fit there because he can take a lot of draws as well. Like they can kind of swap him out as they see fit. Um, I, I think that that, that, that is what I'm excited for. I'm excited to see him play with line mates that, that can handle what he can do offensively and can set him up and put him in positions to, to really do, what he can do as well, because um, I think that like 
that's what he needs is, is guys that have skill. And then he needs time with those guys to be able to build chemistry because just getting like a game or two with Batherson, like here or there or things like that, like that, that, that doesn't work. Like you can't just always be shuffling around the lines yeah. and expect these guys to build chemistry. Like, I mean, yeah, Norris and, and Brady have extremely great chemistry, but they also played together at the USNDP program for two years, building that chemistry. Like it, it, it's things like that, that, that teams need. And, and I, I, I just hope that he can kind of find some consistently skilled line mates. So yeah, I mean, he has seven assists so far in the season. I think if you put Stretzla on a line on like a contending team, you know, <laughs> say you want to put him on a line with Ovechkin, obviously unrealistic, but you know, he probably has like a dozen assists at least just because of, you know, playing with a, a guy who can actually put the puck in the net. Um, yeah, so I think if you put him with Batherson, I think, you know, his point totals would finally go up. I think he's definitely due to get a lot more. I mean, there, there's no way he's eight points in 19 games um like there's no way that's his level and where he should be at so i'm still excited for him um and one more thing i wanted to finish off the show with is talking about some more more positive things here and obviously a lot of people are pretty apathetic right now myself included so it's kind of hard to be motivated to watch the games but what are some reasons why we should continue watching the senators team well, I mean, honestly, I, I, I think that kind of the last topic that we had is, is yeah. the largest region, reason. And, and that's honestly what's been pulling me is is uh, that game against San Jose. I was so excited to watch because I wanted to see Tim Stutzel play center. I, I wanted to see like what he can do. And I, I think that that's really kind of what it comes down to. And like, that's how you find that motivation is remembering kind of who these kids are and and really kind of giving um, th- that opportunity to, to watch it and be excited about it. And it, honestly, I, I know I, I keep going back to it. It shouldn't be the only reason, but um, Tim Stutzel is electrifying. And, and like, I um, was, for, I've been fortunate to go to a couple Suns games this year. It's been a while since, since I've been able to go uh, even before COVID. And um, it, that was one thing I noticed like at games was that like watching Tim Stutzel reminded me so much of watching Eric Carlson mm. because whenever he was on the ice, I would get excited and he would do something exciting to see. And, and like to have a guy like that and also like a Drake Batherson because Drake Batherson kind of has that electric ability as well. Um, I, I think that like for me, like that that's the big thing. And hopefully uh, I guess we'll see how North Dakota season goes, but uh, Jake Sanderson, I mean, he could have anywhere from what, like eight to 20 games with Ottawa, depending on when the season ends. So that's going to be another reason at the end of the year too. So I would say just, just keep being excited about the prospects. Um, The future is bright. And I know that we might be wanting the future to be bright today. And we might've thought that, that we were going to have a way brighter now, but I mean, a lot of these kids are still extremely gifted and they're developing and they just continue to get better. And that's what's so exciting about this is that this team, there are a lot of these individual players are good, but they continue to just make strides and and get better. So I would say like pick your favorite prospect or or young guy that that you're going to root for and just uh, watch him and have have him be the reason, whether it be uh, whenever Igor gets called up again or or whatever it is. For sure, yeah. And there's lots to look forward to. And what's great is that you know, when you see a power play with like Shabbat, Stutzla, Norris, Bathurst, and Kachuk, like, man, some of those power plays they have and, and the movement they have is just incredible to watch. So they have <laughs> obviously these really good, exciting players. You know, Gustafson, you know, 
probably taking the reins over as the number one guy. You know, Batherson's been like a point of game player. Um, you know, Lassie Thompson has has looked good. So that's the frustrating thing almost is that they there are these these good things to watch, and then you're like, how did they lose again? But um, so yeah, like certainly still some some things to you know be excited about, look out for. Certainly not all doom and gloom, even though, like I said, they're on pace for 39 points. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it's a long season, and who knows? Maybe I mean last season they went on a 41 game stretch where they I think they were, what were they? I think in that 41 game stretch, they were averaging like, or they were on pace for 90 points or something like that. So who knows? But yeah, any any other reasons for optimism or, or tuning in, I guess, the rest of the way? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that at least for the last couple games again, like the, the games are close. And that's kind of been the, the another thing that I know is like extremely frustrating. And I don't know, I guess like you're you're on the West Coast so maybe watching uh, this string of games was maybe even easier yeah, for you. Yeah. But yeah, it's probably a nice refresh. But um, that's kind of been like a big thing was like that San Jose game. Like, I mean, stayed up, stayed up here in Ontario and watched it and um, to lose it the way that we lost it. And, and mm-hmm. like with, with that, um, little bit of time left and not, not get like any points from it. Like it's frustrating. And that ha- that's happened multiple times this year. Like that Rangers game, which, which is where it kind of seemed point, like yeah. the, the season flipped. Um, when, when Stutzel got that diving call, like it, it's kind of one of those things where, um, it's hard, but, but it's a major pro that at least we're in these games and at least the games are close and, and, I mean, yeah, like there are the odd time that we're getting blown out, but we're not getting blown out every night. And I, I think that on a lot of nights, at least for a chunk of time, the team is playing a lot better than our record shows. And and that's another reason like to, to definitely tune in is just the fact that um, these games are competitive and at least like you, you can watch good hockey. Um, unfortunately, yeah, like they, they have been losing, but I do think that there's a couple games where we, we could have gotten it if... Uh, maybe if the right guys are on the ice at the time yeah. or whatever it may be, but absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, you know, a win's going to come at some point and you know, at least that, that win against Pittsburgh, God, what was it? Two weeks ago now? <laughs> I mean, that one was fun, <laughs> but um, yeah, hopefully there'll be more of those. And uh, I think we can finish it up there, but before we go, is there anything you want to plug for the listeners? Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, there's not, there's not a, whole lot uh aside from from the future sickos podcast so if, if you want to if my voice doesn't annoy you too much definitely <laughs> be sure to to listen to Derek Lee and I we're, we're definitely trying to up a bit of our uh like prospect coverage um specifically pertaining to the draft and that's not just based on the standings it was something we were kind of always planning on doing but at least now maybe we can get a little more excited talking about uh this draft class because this draft class is looking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's super exciting. Kind of that first, like anywhere from one to 12 looks a lot like it did uh, a couple of years ago in, in the Stutzel and Sanderson draft. So um, there, there's a, a lot of players to, to cover and a lot of players to get excited about. So um, that would be the only thing I would say is that if, uh, if people are, are looking to kind of uh, scratch that itch, uh, de- definitely tune in. Cause, cause we've got some things coming in that regard. Absolutely. Can't recommend that enough. Um, definitely check that out. And Brennan, thanks again for coming on. No, thanks so much for having me. It was great sitting down with you, Trevor. Thanks a lot. As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cost of Point cast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. And if you really enjoy it, you can rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well. You can follow me on Twitter at ShaqTS 
read my articles at Silver 7 Cents, and also follow my YouTube channel called The Hockey Shack. If you want to submit a listener question for an upcoming episode, send me a message at CP Pointcast on Twitter, where you'll get any updates about the show. Stay strong, and thanks for listening. Adios.